You're listening to the Worst of the Worst podcast. I'm Matt, and with me as always, we have Maddie. What's up, man? And we have John. Hello. And today we have a very special guest, Ian. Tell us about yourself. Who are you? Hi, uh, I'm Ian. Uh, yeah, you really put him on the spot there, Matt. Yeah, yeah. Um, that was how he thought of order, really. Um, it's hazing. Everyone new to the <laughs> podcast has to be hazed under pressure. We did the initiation ritual before we started recording. I've got my ring. I've got my robe. I'm in. So... One of the reasons why we got you on the pod is because you're Vietnam's leading Scientologist. Absolutely. Uh, I am the head of the Scientology Church in Bien Hoa. <laughs> uh, there are five of us. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, the, um, the, the real reason they asked me here was that my father was a Scientologist, or he dabbled in Scientology. Yeah, the, the anecdote is that when my dad passed away, we continued to receive their magazine called The Auditor. Even when we moved house, we still continue to receive the Auditor magazine. Yeah, they managed to track you down and find you no matter what, They managed what, to eh? track us down. And I, if I'm not wrong, I can actually check up with my mum. I believe she still gets it. And he's been dead for 20 years. Seems like a lot of work to follow the family of a... In the vague hope that someone might open that magazine and... That's intense. Subscribe, yeah. So, like, how do they know you've moved house? Well, exactly. They're always watching. They got people on the inside. And, and how dangerous would it be for us as a project to join Scientology and then report back on your podcast? We've actually got somebody on the inside right now who's just, just biding their time. We're not going to say who? Well, no, because that would, that would blow their That would jeopardize the, the project. I get it, I get it. My That's bad, why my I didn't bad. tell you sooner, because I knew you would do something like this. We've gotta, <laughs> uh, you're, you're both on a need-to-know basis. <laughs> <laughs> what do you think was, was the draw for him? He was a seeker. He was looking for an answer in anything except Christianity. Yeah. But, I mean, he, he did Eastern religions, meditations, he okay. did yoga, so he was looking for breathing techniques, all that. He was looking for something. I don't yeah. think he ever found it. So, and, and I think that is definitely an aspect that draws people to Scientology is we're giving the answers mm. that you didn't find elsewhere. So we're going to talk about the worst recreational drug. But quickly, what's the best? Ecstasy. Why? Very few fatalities. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. A lot it's of not fun. It's called ecstasy for nothing. I, I'm led to believe. Uh, <laughs> it doesn't have the lingering effects that other psychedelics have. Um, some people experience sort of midweek come downs and mm-hmm. blues and things, but in general, it's relatively safe. But that's if you're getting pure ecstasy, because again, a lot of the stuff you could be buying is probably laced with heroin and rat poison who knows well if you're lucky <laughs> if you're lucky um, yeah but there didn't seem to be too many ecstasy fatalities yeah look if we compare cannabis LSD mushrooms those psychedelics although in terms of lethality are very low their psychological consequences are higher I think than ecstasy mm. my pick would have been mushrooms because I don't know of any negative consequences yeah I think it's probably the safest yeah. recreational drug but not necessarily the best Maybe if you take 30 grams of mushrooms, you're going to meet God. <laughs> <laughs> My pick would be weed. Weed's good for the soul. Good for the soul. It grows from the earth. Natural. It's like having a, a beer. It just chills you out. It just chills me out. It just chills me out. And unlike beer, weed's never killed anyone. Exactly. I used to, I used to really think that all drugs should be legal with just the proper regulation. And then Agreed. the opioid epidemic in the States made me kind of think, you know, actually what will happen is that companies will just like create uh, a, a, well a, no Portugal's tested it right they have right. it's 100% legal right. uh, huh? you can't deal you can't be caught with a kilo brick of coke right. and expect to get away with it but if you're caught with a usable 
personal use quantity. It's not a criminal offence. It's not offense. a criminal offence. And they, a lot of their problems have fallen by the wayside. Mm. Yes, yeah, so Portugal, I wonder in the context of America where the healthcare system where it's so for-profit driven, the, the, the confluence of money and medicine in the States is like super toxic. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't think the system can regulate itself. No. Does that makes sense. No, no. If they say if they say cocaine is is legal under the right regulatory circumstances, within ten years there's going to be big cocaine. You know what I mean? I th- yeah, that, that's a good question, Nath. I mean, see, weed's a little different because you can grow it, right? Something like cocaine, you'd have to you'd manufacture. Have to, you have to manufacture, right? Which yeah. I think I think lends weed to a cottage industry. Exactly. Yeah, it would need to be the the manufacturer would need to be regulated as right. well, so that right. people knew what they were getting. Yeah. Well, totally. Absolutely. But it would it would it wouldn't be like Bob's homemade coke. Right. <laughs> exactly. Mom and pop coke shop. You wouldn't be like, hey, my my, my parents made some coke. Do you do, you, do, you, <laughs> yeah. do, you, do you guys want you to know? come around? <laughs> We've got some beautiful craft coke. <laughs> in the last ten years, weed has boomed in the states. Like absolutely. I, I went from like having to get it from sketchy guys in university to two years later being able to walk into a store. But yeah. who's who's growing it? Is it big pharma or these private? Individuals. They are normally big companies, but not it's not mega big. Most of it's not mom and pop. My understanding, at least in Washington State, and there's the reg- a reason for that, right? The regulations are insane. Is my understanding. So, in my investigation into medicinal weed, um, the big problem mm-hmm. is that every plant is going to have a different THC CBD mm-hmm. content, mm-hmm. and so to get weed lab tested is time consuming and expensive. Mm. So if you're growing the same strain of weed in controlled environment, which is very difficult for mom right. and pop, but achievable for big pharma, that's always going to be a problem. Your mm. local head shop cannot with certainty say that this weed is X right. potency. But I've always thought or I've been told that like the, the names of the strains, most of it's completely arbitrary. Some people know yep. where they get the seeds from, but who, who, you have no, you have who no knows? idea. No. Yeah, you have no idea. If you're idea. growing a plant for yourself at home, who cares? Yeah. But if you, as soon as you're selling it, then there's yeah. the onus of responsibility falls on you. Expectation of some sort of yeah. Of, that uh, you say it's seventeen percent THC. Yeah. It should be within a gram or two. Yeah, I, I, I know what you mean. So, and I think the same thing would happen with coke or heroin. That. How strong is it? And, and, and that's one of the reasons right. for, for a lot of the overdoses is that people don't know what they're getting. I, I've been reading up just for personal interest on psychedelic therapy. Mm. And, and I think that's where its biggest strength lies mm. is that all of these MDMA, LSD, uh, psilocybin from magic mushrooms are all potent therapeutic tools when mm. used in the right environment in the right setting. I mean, I've I've been on ketamine treatments and I didn't like, didn't care for them. Um, I enjoyed them at the time. <laughs> enjoyed them at the, most of them. Treatment I, for if for, I may for, for depression. Okay. Um, and now psilocybin's yeah. the big new depression treatment. Yeah. I would not. Ketamine's a horse tranquilizer. So when you say a ketamine, what did they actually prescribe you with? No, it was like it was like a drip. Like I saw shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't describe it. You know what I mean? You just wake up and you're like, whoa, what? What? What was that? You see, now, now I, I've just written, well, just a few months ago, I wrote a paper on, on psychedelic therapy, uh, specifically psilocybin. And there's a huge boom in research uh, around the world, specifically in the UK, and how effective it is in terms of duration. So the placebo group who were being given regular over-the-counter antidepressants versus the control group or the other group who were being given the psilocybin, the regular antidepressants you have to take weekly. 
Mhm. Psilocybin, one shot, six months. Wow. Follow up, another shot, six months. So for six, six months, months. Six months. And it's it's not only in your system, it's having an active effect on the way you think and the way you operate. 100%. And, and, and there's follow-ups all the time. So th- there's a scale, a depression scale, and you answer questions to ascertain your level of depression. Mm. And the people who were on psilocybin could not be classified as depressed for six months. How intense is the like physical feeling of being of taking that I, drug? I, I, the, the therapy is pretty intense. Like it's emotional, and there's tears and vomiting, and uh, I believe it can be emotionally intense. And, and for the six months while you're technically on this drug, I suppose it must be in your system, and it's a. I, I think it changes the way you think. It's really easy in depression to fall into the same negative thought patterns, right? Like it's really, really easy. Okay. It's just calcified. You know what I mean? At a certain point, like you start, you start thinking the same thing over and over and over again, mm-hmm. yeah. and eventually, you don't even, you don't even know you're thinking it because it's just so ingrained. Yeah. This is how things are. This is, this is just the way your brain works. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a drug like that can. Can break it. Yeah, all of a sudden you're thinking different thoughts. Can break thoughts. the vicious cycle. Yeah, all the, of a sudden. The best graphic representation I can give you is your brain is a snow-covered mountain. You walk to the top of the mountain and you s- ski down, and your skis leave two tracks. You walk back up the mountain, and it's easier to follow those two tracks. Those are neurological pathways, those two tracks. When you take magic mushrooms, it's a fresh sprinkling mm. of snow, and those tracks are covered up, and you can create a new neurological pathway. So it breaks the old thinking patterns quite literally. They are yeah. neurological pathways that get formed. And depression, as John said, is is people stuck in those loops. And this seems to break it. And new patterns emerge. Mm. Mm. It's really interesting. Yeah. With, with minimal side effects. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and of course, microdosing where you don't have the tears and the vomiting yeah. and the emotional yeah. one shot. Um, but that takes longer. So maybe mushrooms are our winner there. Yeah. Yeah. I think mushrooms yeah. are the best. Anyway, so our main topic for today is the worst recreational drug. The worst recreational drug? You've got an interesting one, Matt. Yeah, I don't even know if it's recreational. It's it's scary. And I want to put a question to you. How do you guys feel about necrosis? So your don't skin. Don't know what it is. I'm pro your necrosis. Skin, you're you're your, for necrosis. Your I'm not talking about necrophilia, John. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. I misheard you. you know, I, don't know necro- I, I don't know what necrosis is. Sorry. So necrosis is when your skin goes gray and rots and starts falling off your body your flesh starts falling off your body and you're actually able to peel it away and see bone oh god sounds like leprosy (laughs) it basically is tips of your fingers can fall off tips of your toes can fall off your skin can be pulled away to reveal bone and so the drug that i'm going to talk about which i think is the worst is called desomorphine or the street names are crocodile russian magic poor man's heroin the zombie drug and flucker so this is that toxic that your body starts falling apart. That's why like it's literally. called the zombie drug because your body starts decomposing when you use it. That's pretty bleak. So it's it's a derivative of codeine, which is obviously laced with other things like gasoline, paint thinner, lighter fluid, iodine, hydrochloric acid, and red phosphorus. All these compounds. Very natural. Going, very natural. All these very natural why? things going to why, it. Why does it enhance the effect? It's hard to say. Apparently... It's about 10 times as potent as morphine, but has similar effects to morphine, like the euphoria and the painkilling It's cheaper to produce. Who discovered that? Who knows? Let's mix this together and see what happens. It, it's common in Russia because... The, I was going to say, it's called Russian magic. So yeah. what does it come from Russia, does it? Because codeine tablets do not require a prescription in ah, Russia. Okay. So mm. they're able to buy it over the counter and they can only sell like X amount 
to people over the counter and you can just leave and come back and buy it again. Come back with a fake mustache. <laughs> so yeah, basically it's 10 times as potent as morphine, but has similar effects. It costs a fraction. So if, for example, if what it would cost to purchase heroin or morphine would cost maybe $200, this would cost 20. And basically it just makes you feel euphoric. The way you intravenously inject it into yourself, that's where the necrosis starts. And you actually start stop being able to see your veins so they start injecting into other places and their bodies start decomposing for the listeners listening i wouldn't suggest it but if you want to go look and type in the effects how how do you spell this crocodile k-r-o-k-o-d-i-l okay so it's with k's not c's but the the chemical name is disomorphine so where is this a big problem like everywhere i've never heard of it before mainly in russia it's mainly countries where codeine is easily accessible. Right. Apparently, it has made its way to the States, but it's not an epidemic there yet, where it is an epidemic in Russia, where they are maybe not in the most financially suitable positions, and it's just really easy to access. Is it, it's an opioid, yeah? It's You could say it's... Like, yeah, it's, you could it's, say it's an opioid, yeah. So it's just like a super dirty heroin, basically. Super yeah. dirty heroin. Poor man's heroin. So you inject it? You inject it, yep. 100%. Can it not be taken orally or... I would imagine so, but the most common way to take it, and that is what causes the necrosis, is when you inject it. I, I'm, the, the, I'm looking at some pictures right now. And and how do you feel about them? That is not cool. <laughs> that is absolutely like minging. <laughs> yeah, have a look. That is pretty scary. Uh, I, I mean, if, if if they just put posters up, do you want a leg like that? I chose it as the worst because it literally turns you into a zombie. You literally fall apart. Your body falls apart. I, I can understand your motivation as, as why this could be the worst drug. Do you know like how many people are actually on this drug? It's estimated that up to 1 million Russian citizens are using crocodile. Wow. as much as that. And it's reaching epidemic proportions and it is starting to emerge in countries like the States. And how if desperate is your life when you decide, hmm, I fancy me a bit of that? I guess if you can't afford the heroin... One million's a fucking lot of people. That's a lot of people, man. Look, maybe not one million are all decaying to the state that you've just seen, but a million people using it is... What's Russia's population? About 160 million. That's a lot. I don't think Russia cares. About their people. About the crocodile users. But surely you would think, like, that's clearly a visible epidemic. What the solution, the obvious solution to me would be to make codeine a prescription drug like get a prescription so, so can people make this like at home because people of, are making it at home because so codeine so accessible it's so accessible like right. there are anecdotes of going buying as much codeine as they can coming back an hour later and buying more because the pharmacy can only sell you x amount but there's nothing stopping them from coming back later and just buying more so then they just need to regulate codeine yeah that that would seem the simple solution but it's a question as to why they haven't yet if it's such an epidemic because they pharmaceutical don't care. companies don't want them to another shitty thing about crocodile is it only lasts two hours the euphoria only lasts up to two hours it's not a long-term commitment and that's why they keep using it more and more because it's such a short-term euphoric experience there's not a whole lot of sympathy towards yeah. users of such heavy drugs you know what i mean like especially for a country like russia do you think they're going to be like you know what let's you know take care of them for the rest of their adult lives or just let them do their thing i think that's a lot of common opinion in many countries for yeah. intravenous users of any drug not to single russians out it's just i just imagine in, in the context of crocodile people that are taking crocodile they're obviously taking it around people that have taken it before and they've they've seen the physical effects but they still choose to continue like that, that dependency is scary. They're, they're probably not first-time drug users. Nobody yeah. goes yeah. from zero to crocodile overnight. Right. I think yeah. you were already using something else and ran out of money, and then thought, "Well, 
Yeah. I can't get heroin. So and I can make this at home. I don't even have world. to meet a sketchy yeah. dealer somewhere. I can literally just go buy codeine at a pharmacy and go make this at home. So, so far, I imagine that your drug is going to be the drug that I would least want to do. Yeah. You know what Agreed. I mean? Yeah. If they're like, well, it doesn't sound appealing. Yeah. You have one day to live. You can't see any of the people you know and love. <laughs> what drug do you want to do? <laughs> I, that's, I wouldn't, I still wouldn't choose Crocodile. <laughs> So in June 2012, between 5,000 and 7,000 deaths were attributed to crocodile in Russia over the preceding two years. So I'm assuming it hasn't gotten better. It's still an epidemic. So probably on average 5,000 deaths a year from crocodile. Pretty bad. I mean, in terms of the actual effect of the drug, it could be the worst. It could be the worst. Its mortality rate is surprisingly low. Surprisingly low, yeah. I wonder if it's just a um, recording problem, a measurement issue. And And again, I would imagine the lifestyles of people who take this drugs... Yeah, they probably... think their mates are going to go and tell the police, oh, right. Johnny passed away. Exactly. Because they don't want to yeah. get investigated. Exactly. They don't want to get looked into. And they're probably not very healthy in the first place. No. They could be dying of other things Th- yeah. before that gets them. Like, And, and nobody's doing research on this. No, yeah. Nobody cares. Nobody, nobody cares. cares, exactly, yeah. They probably... Which is sad in itself, but yeah. Probably some part of an underclass in a quote, you know. Yep. Just the yeah, it's right. probably going to be... I don't think there's wealthy crocodile users. Yeah. No, yeah. probably not. They don't call it poor man's heroin for exactly. nothing. Yeah, your daughter doesn't get like suddenly hooked on crocodile. You <laughs> yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah. you know, she sure. says she was a normal girl, and then she started doing crocodile. <laughs> <laughs> She's not I the don't same. Know, fell off. Send her to boarding school. I don't think so. <laughs> well, my argument's different to yours because I'm going to go with tobacco. The reason I've gone with tobacco is basically because, like, look, I'm not going to do a big long monologue on it because we all know what tobacco is. Um, but it's just so normalized in our society. People do it regularly. In 2008, the World Health Organization named tobacco as the world's single greatest preventable cause of death. Wow. Which makes it, in my opinion, the worst because it's so easily preventable and it's so widespread. And it's so easily accessible. And yep. so easily accessible. And cheap. So tobacco kills 8 million people each year. Wow. That's well, a lot. Wow. That's a lot of people. Which is absolutely huge. And one thing that semi-surprised me is that it's not completely the same for all people. I thought this was just widespread kind of everywhere. Uh, It's not. Over 80% of tobacco users live in low and middle income countries. So it is worse for poor people. In in America, that's very clear. It's it's interesting to me that it's, that's... as I say, semi-surprised. Like, I'm not surprised that people but smoke more here in Vietnam than they do in Norway and Iceland. I'm not surprised by that okay, because of why, education, why stuff like that. Why do poor people smoke more than rich people? Are they better stress, educated? Stress, maybe? I think, I think it, part of it's stress. I think part of it's just it's normalized in those communities. Like, what I in high school, nobody smoked cigarettes because you'd be an idiot to smoke a cigarette. Do you smoke cigarettes now? No, I don't. But um, in college, I did. University did. But then you go home and your friends back at home would be like, you, what you're smoking a cigarette like it was like it was like literally like it was like the dumbest thing you could do there was no cool factor whatsoever and also men smoke more than women definitely so of the world's global population 36.7 percent of all men are regular tobacco smokers that's a big that's a big percentage only 7.8 percent of women so it's a huge difference do you think that's because of uh children that's a good point it could be i think i think it's not i think it's not considered feminine I feel like men generally yeah. take less care of themselves than women do. I mean, there's that whole thing thrown out that men die younger than women. Yeah. My understanding is that's not on genetic. It's just that we don't look after ourselves as well. Because we're women stupid do. and we yeah. do stupid things. Because we're idiots. Yeah. We drink more than we smoke more. Yeah. And take mm. risks, unnecessary mm. risks mm. Yeah. In, in every aspect. It's associated with masculinity, isn't it? Being 
someone who's willing to like take risks, I suppose. Yeah, is, yeah. is that testosterone or is that cultural? I think it's cultural. And and I think the woman smoking thing could be social cultural as well. Mm. That yeah. women who smoke are frowned upon and seen as harlots. Yeah. I, I remember in Taiwan where women were basically forbidden culturally to smoke on the streets, but behind closed doors that are more women smoke than you realize. Mm. But you definitely mm. wouldn't walk around if you were a girl with a ciggy dangling from your lips because that was basically a you might as well put a sign in your head saying I'm a hooker. If you were to smoke, let's say, in your youth for ten years and then quit, if you quit for a long enough period of time, I I've heard that too. Doctor would not be able to know from looking at your lungs if I've heard that. I've heard, I've heard that too. Seven years, I believe. Yeah, there is a, there is amount of time you. I mean, your better. body wants to be healthy, right? Like it tries its best to clean itself up. But yeah, I mean, I used to smoke. And I remember when I did smoke, it did serve functions. So if I'm in a social situation that I don't feel all that comfortable in, light a ciggy. It's almost like a shield. It's like, I am am doing something. Yeah, like I'm I'm participating in the social situation without having to actually engage. It's a a socially acceptable way to fidget. You know, like, you you, you can't just like play with your phone or your your hair or something. people think you're mad. But you can (laughs) fidget with your ciggy. Yeah. This is why I believe it's the worst, because it is so socially acceptable, so readily available. Eight million people die a year, as I've just said. Smokers are a lot of fidgeters out there. Die. Yeah. There's a lot of fidgeters out there. What do non-smokers do with their hands? Vote conservative. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Um, How many non-smokers die a year? <laughs> You're cherry-picking the worst stats to suit your particular paradigm. And, and I, I'm going to counter that with how many non-smokers die every year. I'm going to counter that with smokers die on average 10 years younger than non-smokers. Mm. How do they know? Who's they? Governments. <laughs> <laughs> it's, fake, it's, fake, it's fake news, bro. It's all fake news. So, yeah, short and sweet, but okay. I think tobacco's the worst drug. Okay, tobacco's, tobacco's pretty bad. Tobacco's pretty bad, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to change the subject a little bit. How much alcohol do you think is safe to consume? Safe in what way? Like, how much alcohol does it take to have, like, basically no no ill effects? I think it's very little. I phrased that poorly, but essentially, yeah, they did a study uh, about 10 years ago in the UK, 25,000 participants. There is no safe amount of alcohol. There's none. Even moderate usage uh, is correlated with gray matter reduction in the brain. So making you dumber. Makes you dumber. 25,000 people. There's no healthy amount. You're you're kidding yourself. So even one beer a day. They, that's that's what they said. There's no safe amount. It's one of the few drugs that can kill you from with from withdrawal. Mm-hmm. Straight mm-hmm. up kill you. So an alcoholic who goes cold turkey can literally die from not consuming alcohol. Can yeah. literally die. Yeah, which I think is pretty scary. Pretty and, and pretty rare amongst. Yeah. Is there any other drug that I, does that? I thought does heroin do that? No. No. Wow. I think you may wish you were dead. According to the NHS, the amount uh, so here are some of the problems caused by long-term alcohol usage: high blood pressure, stroke, pancreatitis, liver disease, liver cancer, mouth cancer, head and neck cancer, breast cancer, bowel cancer, depression, dementia, sexual problems, infertility. That's like a whole like that's that's everything for your body. But are there any yeah. negative side effects, John? <laughs> <laughs> Other than death. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, secondhand smoke is a real issue with tobacco, but I would argue, that other than that, the externalities are are pretty internal, right? The negative externalities in alcohol is massive. Like the yes. effects that it has around people who aren't drinking mm-hmm. is yeah. is insane. Is absolutely insane. You got an alcoholic in the house, you're all gonna feel the effects of that. Or if you have an alcoholic on the on the driving a car, you know someone's yeah. got you know yeah. so flying a plane. 
operating a crane. Uh, one American dies every 45 minutes in a drunk driving accident. Every 45, 45 minutes. minutes. That's just Americans. So you just take that and extrapolate that across the whole world. In uh, the early 2000s, the monetary cost of alcohol-related crime in the United States was over $205 billion. In the UK around the same time, it was 7.3 billion pounds. What kind of crimes? So, 15% of robberies, 63% of intimate partner violence incidents, 37% of sexual assaults, about 45% of physical assaults, and 40% of homicides in the United States involved alcohol. Charming. Yeah, it, it, it makes everything everything worse. Our crime it makes rates everything are, worse. Our crime rates are worse. Our, our love lives are worse. Our streets aren't safe. Your health is worse. Why is it legal? Why Why is it legal? Why is it so easily accessible? Because big companies pay for it to be legal. I think I do think people have a need, a genuine need, to get fucked up. I yeah. agree. I agree. But why? Because life is sad, and it's you gotta find some sort of release. And if you find that in drugs or religion or whatever, you know, power to you if you find it. You know, in all honesty, if I meet someone who doesn't drink, smoke anything, you're suspicious of them. Well, yeah, like if they had a problem previously, I get it. But if you never had a problem, you're just like, oh, I just don't like it. I don't do it. I am like, you're a bit weird. And and people of humans have been getting drunk for a very very long time. Don't other animals get drunk and as other well? Other animals yeah. too. I mean, elephants, baboons, monkeys. What? All kinds. How? Yeah. Uh, the fruit. fermented fruit. Uh, eating from fruit that's already rotting, it ferments in their stomachs, and they get properly wasted. There's wow, sounds like a party. And, 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 and we know that they're eating it to get wasted. Not it's very deliberate. Wow. There's a fruit in South Africa called, or in Southern Africa, called the marula tree, and the fruit is called marula. It's like a, a wild apple, and the animals congregate prior to them dropping, and they're waiting for this. And in fact, elephants have been seen shaking the tree to get the fruit to get it down. And they they know those animals know this is the good time tree. Yeah, and it's once a year when the fruits and everybody gathers round. Everyone gets <laughs> absolutely bollocks. <laughs> uh, there's hilarious videos on YouTube you can look for. Elephant parties. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, the elephants are entertaining, but the monkeys are the, the funniest. And warthogs. Oh, yeah, monkeys. warthogs. Yeah. Eh? Monkeys are funny sober. So <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're doubly funny when they're wasted. It's wow. uh, And they have hangovers, and the next day they're grumpy. It's like absolutely... That's amazing. Yeah. But I, I don't know of other countries that do it. Is it only Southern African animals? They're the pissheads. Yeah, <laughs> that's where it started. The cradle. The of Asian it. elephants. They they, they they control themselves. Yeah, the Asian <laughs> elephants on the straight and narrow. Yeah, <laughs> exemplary elephants. We're getting off topic here. Uh, so why is alcohol the worst? Besides, besides all the negative externalities and the fact that it'll like destroy <laughs> how, every how organ in your body. Die a year. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I I thought the I thought the you thought you'd done a good enough job, where you didn't. I thought the drunk driving <laughs> statistic was powerful enough. Yeah, but but so people only die from drunk driving. Well, no the the World Health Organization thinks uh, it's about three million deaths every year from harmful use of yeah. alcohol. Yeah, five percent of all deaths. Uh, they think five percent of global burden of disease and injury is attributable to alcohol. I can easily believe that. In people between the ages of twenty and thirty-nine, approximately thirteen percent of total deaths are attributable to alcohol. This is again according to the World Health Organization. How much alcohol do you think you consume in a month, John? Really, not that much. I whenever I'm with you guys, I'll. Are you blaming us now? I are you peer shaming? I like to think I pretty much match you guys when we drink, and that's the only time I drink. 
I feel like you're you're blaming us. I probably drink less if I hung out with Ian more often. You know, like I'm. It's not. I'm not saying it's your fault, but Ian, for the record, doesn't drink. Ian, how long have you been sober for? Nine years. Wow. I was a an Olympic drinker for South Africa. <laughs> um, I won the world championship seven times. <laughs> um, I, I had. I, I was a chef by trade, mm-hmm. and uh, substance abuse is rife. But yeah. Yeah, I, was, I used to drink a lot. I, I, I think I was one of the lucky ones. I, I didn't, there was nothing too bad that happened that I could say that was rock bottom. I mean, other than writing off a car. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't kill anyone. I didn't drive over anyone. I didn't damage property. Yeah, there was nothing that bad. I didn't lose it all. So I, I got out, I think, before the writing was on the wall. If you don't mind me asking, did it affect like, your relationship with people? Definitely, yeah, big time. A, a lot of relationships were built around alcohol mm-hmm. and the consumption mm-hmm. of alcohol. Mm. So when I stopped drinking, those relationships evaporated. And so you realize that the relationship was not built on anything other than the socialization yeah. of yeah. alcohol. And how was it getting off? Horrible. It was really difficult. Uh, mm. There was definite addiction to the point where I was uncomfortable, uh, insomnia, uh, massive sugar cravings. This is common, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, so you 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 lose weight radically fast because alcohol is very high in calories, especially when you're drinking at an Olympic level. Mm-hmm. If I had a beer now, what would happen? Would I go back to that was delicious? I think I'll have another one and another one and another one, etc. I don't know. Would I be able to control myself mm-hmm. now after nine years? Like all alcoholics, I'm going to say no. I think if I had more than one beer now, I think we'd, we'd have a problem because I'd go downstairs and empty this place. Any any closing arguments for alcohol, John? It, look, it just it just kills millions of people around the world. It causes massive health problems to everybody who participates in it, and most people participate in it. Can I just say though, I've had good times on alcohol, as I'm sure you have as well. A few. I haven't had many times where I'm like, oh, we got so fucked up on tobacco. And oh, I really loved going for that smoke break. Wow, it's a memorable smoke break. I'll remember that for the rest of my life. Yeah, like alcohol, for all of its negative effects, a lot of my best, literally a lot of my best memories from my life, I was drunk for them. And I don't reckon I'm alone in that. No, for sure not. For sure not. But I think you have to balance that with how negative the negative effects of alcohol are. Mm-hmm. Right, you can't just you can't just like wish them wish them away. Like like no one smokes too many cigarettes and then like drives into a family of five. Most of the social benefits to alcohol you could replicate elsewhere with other things. I guarantee you, if we all took, I guarantee you, if we all took ecstasy right now. Oh, we would have a we would bond way better. Is ecstasy better than alcohol? Uh, well, I in terms know, of health, yeah. Had ecstasy tablet for every bottle of beer you had, you'd probably have a problem. You can't take it as often. Yeah. So. Okay, let me ask you this then. If ecstasy is more healthy than alcohol, if you have a child, what would you be more comfortable with your young child doing? Having a few Neither. drinks or having a tablet or even half a tablet? Neither. But if you had to pick one between the tablet and the, okay, let's yeah, say, six enough. beers? Okay, six beers. I, I, if you said one beer, definitely alcohol. But six beers and some ecstasy? Take the ecstasy, leave that beer. You'd take the ecstasy? If they were the right age. Of course, but right. let's, say let's say they're 18. Yeah. yeah. I, I, and they and they said, Dad, help me choose. Yeah. Uh, get absolutely wasted on booze or take a pull. Take a pull, man. Leave that booze. See, the thing is that there's a gradient, right? You can choose to have one or two beers, which will mellow you out, 
yes. social lubricant, and but you can still function. Taking a drug, it's kind of zero to full speed. Yeah, and there's no way to taper it. You can get a little bit drunk. You can't get a little, little bit. bit but you, you can also know that one beer will do this. One pull might do something very different to the pull I take next time. So that, that's where the difference lies. And, and you could argue the same with cannabis. You could have one drag of a joint as opposed to smoking the whole joint. But do you think an everyday, like, so, like, a seasoned drinker, maybe who's not, like, maybe he's not a full-blown alcoholic, can taper their expectations. So, like, I'm going to have one beer tonight. I'm going to have two beers tonight. Like, they, they can sort of level that out. Like, people have a sure. glass of wine with dinner. People can do that. People yeah. can totally do that. I'm just saying, you can't just have one crocodile. You know what I mean? <laughs> Especially not with dinner. Not, <laughs> not with dinner. If crocodile, if crocodile was as prevalent as alcohol, then I would have to give it up to crocodile. But but this is the whole thing about alcohol: is it's so prevalent, it's socially acceptable, right? And the the fallout from alcohol is the problem. It, it, if it wasn't already so socially acceptable, like if it, if it, if we had we invented alcohol to, now, you know, to now the, they would be talking about the ill effects like it, you, you wouldn't believe you know what I mean like this drug is destroying our communities but it should still be popular oh of course people would love it okay so John's finished talking shit alcohol's the worst man obviously and as far as scope and severity I, I, I want to argue with you but I think you're right well don't say that before you before you no no no, no I, uh, I, I'm going to be talking about heroin which is pretty bad. Pretty bad. It's got some problems. Yeah, some <laughs> issues. <laughs> We're not sold on it yet. So, uh, a bit of research into heroin. Uh, it's been around for a long time. So, heroin is right up there in, in terms of duration as long as alcohol. Um, first cultivated in Mesopotamia, which is current-day Iraq. Uh, first recorded 3,400 years BC. That's 5,000 years of opium use wow. in wow. humans. And it's probably older than that. How long have we even been cultivating, like, farmland for? Like, 10,000 years? It, it yeah. literally coincides with agriculture. Like, it's as old as food production. Yeah. But, well, yeah. but you would yeah. still need you would need a place rich enough to produce crops that don't have but nutritional it, it's, value. The, the way in which it's recorded was not for pleasure. It was purely for dealing with pain. Medicinal. Mm. But, ev- but even okay. so, you would think at something like, okay, well, if, you're, if, you, if you need to survive, you're not the first thing you plant to be food to survive. Right. Medicine and food, but but even even yeah, I guess you would yeah, I guess you need. Yeah, there's always a shaman or a healer or whatever, and they're like, look, this plant sorts out the pain, so we need a lot of that. The the way in which they took it um, was predominantly it would appear for medicinal purposes. So first synthesized in 1874. Uh, we're talking about heroin here. Morphine was synthesized way before that. So morphine is is the active ingredient in opium. Uh, opium is the raw product you get from from the the poppy plant. the The seed pod is scored, a, a latex fluid seeps out, and that latex fluid is is removed as it dries. It gets sticky, um, and as it dries, it turns into a dark paste, a malleable paste. And and morphine is an ingredient within that opium. You, you can use opium straight from the plant, and ha- it has an. So morphine is purified. Morphine is an isolated compound. Yeah, it's it's a purified version. So that was like early 1800s. So it's, so it's sat from a seed, from a seed pod. Seed pod. Okay. Yeah. So there's it's a, a a spherical pod. The seeds are inside. The pod is green, and that pod is scored. And when the pod is scored, it, it seeps this white milky sap, and and they let it dry on the plant, and it's like a tacky brown residue. And obviously, you need a lot of it to to use. Anyway, so first 
synthesized by a British guy and was called uh, diacetyl morphine. So it was a morphine, uh, concentrated morphine. And it was used amusingly to treat morphine addiction. Of course. <laughs> so you use a stronger morphine <laughs> to treat morphine addiction. Makes perfect sense. Is that just because they literally didn't know what they were doing? <laughs> I think they were, they were just playing around and let's yeah. see what happens. Yeah. Um, but it didn't really go anywhere. So in 25 years later, Bayer Pharmaceutical Company in Germany further intensifies this stuff and, and reduces it further and <clears throat> they make heroin for the first time, which is now one and a half times to twice as potent as morphine. And the name heroin comes from the German heroisch, which means heroic or strong. And heroin became synonymous with the drug. So, uh, yeah, it was a cough suppressant and a morphine substitute. But obviously the addictive qualities were quickly realized and uh, realized this was not a good idea. So it was banned in 1925, but this, kind of the same time as prohibition, um, was pushed underground and there was a massive spike in usage. Which is yeah, makes a, sense. A, a, a further conversation for later. As soon as you ban something, right. people you can't have it, then they want it. So that's kind of the, the the sort of brief history and its usage between 1925 and 2022. Um, we're we're seeing weird spikes around the world in the 70s. In the mm. 80s, it really started taking hold with the cartels. 90s was basically the peak of heroin use. Mm. Uh, tapering off in around 2015. So I'm, I'm actually doing two drugs because in 2015 we start seeing something called fentanyl. And fentanyl popped up in 1950 and it was an anesthetic. But for some reason heroin is being cut, which is where they take the raw heroin and to make it go further for profits, drug dealers cut it with something cheaper to make more of it and more profit, obviously. So they started cutting it with fentanyl and this starts popping up in 2015. At the same time, the lethality goes up. Your overdoses go up radically from 2015. So just to throw some stats out there. So here we go. In 1999, this is, I believe this is just America. And again, stats are a bit loosey-goosey around the world. Uh, as we discussed earlier, I don't think China is going to give us accurate stats. Worldwide statistics are just yeah, kind of and, and where yeah. There's a lot of heroin use in Turkey, but again, it's not being right. reported. America, on the other hand, has pretty, they write this stuff down. This is heroin overdose deaths, all ages from 1999 to 2020. In 1999, there were less than 20,000 overdoses. It just climbs exponentially. Well, let's stop at 2014. We had 45,000. In 2015, it jumps to 52,500. This keeps going up until 2019 when we hit 70,000. This is per annum. Mm. 70,630 deaths in 2019 from heroin overdoses with fentanyl mixed in to 2020 where it hits 91,000, almost 92,000. 100,000 people, almost 100,000 people a year dying from In the United States alone. In the United States alone. Wow. And that's not even including like things like Oxy. And, and no, this is exactly, this is heroin being taken, either being smoked or intravenously. So this is not the oxys and the tramadols and all. Yeah, so that figure is way higher. Yeah, it would be. And this Man, is this, this particular nuts. article. This is CDC in the States, stopped in 2020. They're seeing a decline in the use of heroin, but an increase in the use of fentanyl straight because it's so cheap and it's so powerful. Fentanyl is 100 times stronger than heroin. Great the fatal God. dose for a human, adult male, 
is 30 milligrams of heroin will kill you. Three milligrams of fentanyl will kill you. It's wildly poisonous. So tell me, so morphine was already a highly concentrated version of opium. Yeah, but heroin, morphine, strangely was... enough, is not very addictive, but your, your overdoses from morphine were, you'd fall asleep. Negligible. Yeah. You'd so, just pass out. And, and heroin's 10 heroin. times stronger than morphine. Uh, and only twice as twice strong. Sorry, twice as strong. And then fentanyl's 100 mm-hmm. times stronger than, than that. <laughs> than that. So that is crazy. like cannabis, you can't get enough of it in to kill you simultaneously. Morphine is normally administered orally or you smoke it. I suppose you could intravenously take morphine and that would probably be bad. But heroin, Mm. twice as poisonous, will kill you and fentanyl is just absolutely horrible. So why is it the worst drug? Because of its addictive properties. Mm. This is the the crux of my argument. With that addiction comes a, a slave to getting the stuff and people rob, kill to get the money to buy the stuff. Because it it's worse. It's a worse withdrawal. The withdrawals are very unpleasant and prolonged. How common is heroin where you use it from? It's pretty common where I'm In from. In South Africa, very yeah. common. And how is it perceived? Like, I use this word just to make the point. We refer to a smackhead. Yes. yes. It's Same. someone who takes heroin or crack, yeah. basically. Yeah. They're the hard smackheads drug. Yeah. And then you've got your other stuff, which is a bit more recreational, yeah, a exactly. bit more like... What These guys are dedicated to this. Yeah. yeah. It's not for fun anymore. It's that whole, like, there's taken drugs and then we have this, like, oh, he's... He's a smackhead. Yeah. And, and it's negative. Yeah, it Very is. Negative. It is. And, and But why is that? Because with this, it turns you into a criminal. They become the most manipulative liars and thieves you could ever conceive of. Alcohol... Yeah. Psychedelics, nothing compels a person to to get money the way that heroin does. Because of the dependency. Because of the dependency. They literally will do, they would sell their mothers to get it. And of course, this overlaps with your crocodile, which is presumably equally addictive. Yeah. And and to me, the the destruction that it causes in families. And I mean, because once the family cottons on that you're a, a smackhead, they don't want anything to do with you. Or they will spend vast amounts of money sending you to rehab where you will lie, cheat, and steal your way out of it. You'll do anything not to go to rehab. Yeah. And often people escape. You're not generally a first-time drug user with heroin, are you? No, no. Very few people go from zero to heroin. I don't think anyone sets out with the intention of becoming addicted to heroin. Of course, yeah, of course. And say, this is my new path in life. So to become a scumbag. Is it people who are already detached from the families, already got drug problems? Mm, no, I don't think so. I think maybe. it's often, it, it's pretty common. So I think it's often introduced, I, I would say most people probably smoke it first. And they'll say, here, yeah, have a hit of this joint, but the joint is laced with heroin. and It's like nothing they've ever had before. And they're like, whoa. Because it's euphoric, apparently. Yeah. I've, I've never touched heroin, I've never used it. It's a blinding rush. I've been told it's like kissing God. Yeah, I face. mean, uh, to, to quote uh, Train Spotting, we wouldn't do it if it wasn't fun. Yeah. I, I can't reveal too much, but uh, there are people who are close to me who have been through heroin, and, and it's ugly. It's really, they become so selfish and so self-centered uh, and literally will, will sell themselves to get the drug. Uh, it's a major source of prostitution. So, so, so how do we categorize the worst drug? Is it purely on fatality? Well, that's the beauty of it. Or is it the the impact that it has on people? It's quite hard to... The gruesome nature of Crocodile is like, 
it's pretty nasty. Pretty nasty, right? Like in, but in that sense, very, sure. But actually, if we look at it coldly, the 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 fatalities are low. So the you know the worst is subjective. If at gunpoint we had to choose a winner, uh, as a recovering alcoholic, I, I'm I'm gonna vote against my own team and, and say that that alcohol is by far the worst thing. I'm not sure I'm allowed to vote for myself, but I would vote for heroin. Yeah, rules are can't vote for yourself. Then I would have to say heroin because it's pretty evil. And, and the gangs and the gang related and the right, and the cartels. Right. I mean, and so the knock on the collateral is huge. I, in my limited experience with addiction, it's just it, it's already a struggle. Then you talk about heroin; it's not even it's a different completely. It's, I can't well, even but imagine. But you see now, actually, I've just realized all of us know people who've dabbled with recreational drugs, right? But heroin is that next step. Yeah. We all know, we're all cognizant of the fact that heroin is not to be trifled with. But part of what makes alcohol so dangerous is that it's not considered the next step, even though it'll, exactly. it'll kill you. It's a gateway. Right? Like That's the first step, if anything. Look, I know I'm not allowed to vote for myself, obviously, So, but the only reason I wouldn't vote for Crocodile is just because of its accessibility, but the next closest thing would be heroin, so I think my vote would probably go towards heroin. If Crocodile was as prominent and prevalent as heroin where people are walking through the streets with their flesh falling on the ground I would definitely you, say can you imagine you, you got your family you're walking down the street and there's someone just with their limbs just rotting off literally looking like a crocodile and able to peel their skin back I mean, but, but I guess then, then how fucked up am I to say like oh somebody fucking barely breathing on the street that's fine but if they're on crocodile but then just to play devil's advocate isn't doesn't this make tobacco the absolute worst because we it's it's so insidious the invisible silent killer it's completely fine to smoke it's harmless if you have a few ciggies apparently eight million people were wrong every year yeah i mean i i can't vote for myself but i would um <laughs> i can't so i'll vote for heroin because probably the same for all of us my own social cultural background heroin was always seen as the worst taboo yeah, yeah it was 100 yeah, yeah. so i guess heroin wins then Woo-hoo! Do I get a beer? Thanks for listening, guys. And a special thank you to Ian for joining us as a guest on the podcast tonight. Thank you very much for having me. If you like what we do, the best way to help us out is by sharing, liking, leaving reviews, tell a friend. We really appreciate it. You can get in touch with us on Facebook and Instagram at Worst of the Worst Podcast or on Twitter at Worst of Worst Pod. Alternatively, share us an email at worstoftheworstpod at gmail.com. We'd love to hear your thoughts on which drug you think is the worst. Until next time.